Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and data science professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing at Pragmatic Institute, and your host for this episode. As many of you know, we recently acquired the Data Incubator, a leading data science training and placement company, which, of course, has led to a great deal of questions around what is data science really, and what does a modern data scientist look like? And who better to help us with those questions than one of today's leading data scientists, Dr. Becky Tucker, senior data scientist from one of my favorite products, Netflix. Welcome, Dr. Becky. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Well, I think to get us started, why don't you tell us how you yourself became a data scientist? I'd be happy to. My uh, journey into data science was not a terribly linear one. And uh, unfortunately for listeners, I'm not sure how generalizable it is, um, but I actually started out in physics. I have a PhD in observational cosmology. And when I started graduate school, I really thought I wanted to be a physics professor. Um, it turns out there are a host of reasons why by the end of grad school, I no longer thought that was a good fit for me. Um, I'm happy to talk about those if that's something you think people would be interested in. Um, but at that point, it really came down to, if I don't want to be in academia, what do I want to do? And I sort of started by looking at the Venn diagram overlap of transferable skills and uh, positions that I actually wanted to take. So there's a couple of really typical paths for physicists once they get out of academia. A lot of them become quants on Wall Street. Um, a lot of them go into the aerospace industry or sort of adjacent industries. A fair number of them go into consulting. And then at the time, there was this brand new field that had really started gaining in popularity called data science. And as I researched all of these fields, data science was the one that really captured my attention. I just thought the idea that you could use data to derive things that were sometimes counterintuitive or to make really smart business decisions or to really optimize something that made people's lives better was just the most remarkable field and something that I absolutely wanted to do. And then the question became, well, how do you get into data science and how do you get into industry when your entire background is in academia? And so at the time, there was, again, a relatively new program called Insight Data Science, which is, I think, not unlike the data incubator in that it is really intended to take non-data scientists and turn them into data scientists. Um, it's At the time, it, it only accepted uh, folks with PhDs. And because of a, a strange gap in my academic schedule, I had three months to go and do this uh, this. Um, data uh, insight program. And I kind of went into it and thought, well, I'll at least try this. And if it's terrible, then I'll go back to the drawing board of think of think of something else I want to do. And if I love it, then I know and I'll go forward with the interview process. And it was the latter thing that happened. And uh, it, it helped me um, really bridge that gap between the skills I had, which were most of what industry was looking for, and a lot of the skills I didn't have. Excellent. Yes. Uh, so what was it when you looked at the three? What, 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 what was it about the data scientists first, the quant roles and some of the others that was the most attractive to you? Partially 
for me, it was the human impact of data science. This idea that you can meaningfully change people's lives by, uh, by making better decisions, whether that's in a company or in healthcare, which is another huge area of data science. Um, partially, it was that quantitative finance almost necessitates a move to New York City, and that's not something I really wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then partially, it was that uh, actually data science consulting uh, is, a, is a growing field, and I think that's something that would be really interesting. I like the super fast-paced aspect of that, but I'm a bit of a homebody, and so the travel did not particularly appeal to me for that sort of consulting life. Um, and so just the combination of something, both, I mean, there's both practical and kind of more, um, uh, and I don't know what the other word is, you know, there's the practical considerations of, of what you know, what really fits with who you are in your lifestyle. And mm -hmm. then also, you know, what really captures your imagination? What do you want to get up and work on every single day? Because you're going to spend a lot of your life working. It might as well be something you enjoy. Absolutely. And I think that the human impact, impact op portion of it is, is so interesting. So you have a background, a physicist, you've learned all these things. You said data science is interesting. You went to one of the great fellowship programs like TDI, like, um, I've forgotten the name of yours. Insight. Insight. Uh, you've gone to one of the great sort of fellowship programs like the Data Incubator, like Insight. And then you get into the world and you start to be a data scientist. What does that role actually look like? And, and how did that kind of match or not match your expectations? It was refreshing in a lot of ways. Um, part of that is that I had the very, very good fortune of landing at Netflix, um, which is a company that I believed in, I believed in their product, and they also have a really strong culture, which I encourage people to check out if they're interested. It's um, it's on the, or you can just Google Netflix culture deck. And so from the get-go, I was surrounded by enthusiastic, really sharp, really brilliant people. And so that aspect of it was just a total pleasure. And the the thing that I really have enjoyed over the past five years, and, and data science as a field has really changed since I started, um, is just the opportunity that I've had to learn all kinds of new things that I wasn't exposed to or I was only exposed to in an academic sense during during graduate school. And so there were just things that, that um, so like some of the things that were surprises or not, I mean, I don't know that it's, it's strange to call it a surprise. I certainly knew they existed, but I just had never been exposed to it. Um, whereas, for example, one of the most fundamental parts about being a data scientist, which is databases. Uh, most physics projects are using some form of a flat file. They're using CSVs or text files or something like this. So I never used SQL except to teach myself for my interviews. So using SQL and not just uh, not just to query like a, a kind of local MySQL database, but to query a really, really big database and learning all the various flavors of databases and, and how you really have to think hard about how you write um, certain kinds of data transformations when you're going from, you know, maybe you have some, uh, you know, thousand line table, that's what you use to, to learn on and you go to someplace like Netflix, which has a lot of data uh, <laughs> changes 
it changes, you know, the way you think about certain kinds of things. Um, it was also my first uh, real exposure to software engineering at this level. Um, I mean, a lot of physicists write code, I did, uh, but you're not typically exposed to, unless you're getting a PhD in CS, of course, um, you're not really exposed to professional software engineering. So that was something that was new for me as well. And do you, do you get the impression, having been in the field now and you talk to the people, this is a, a, something you're very passionate about, is data scientist's role at Netflix the same as a data scientist's role elsewhere? I think that the data scientist role can vary dramatically from place to place and industry to industry. Um, and I think that a data scientist role, even within the same company, will has been changing as time goes as time goes on. My, in, and this is uh, this is my perspective. I mean, it's it's one singular perspective on data on the data science industry. So others may differ. Um, but at the beginning, it seemed like there was a lot more call for generalists. So people who were pretty scrappy, who had, you know, a little bit of a lot of things and who could dive in and, and, uh, and kind of just tackle all kinds of stuff. And it seems like now, particularly as data science has grown, there's a lot more specialization. I'm seeing in job postings, not just at Netflix, but at other places too, um, more calls for thing for people who are specialists in like in NLP, you know, people who are specifically specialists in experimentation, in in certain kinds of econometrics, things like this. And so they're often pulling from really specific. Uh, academic backgrounds, whereas before um, it was just, it seemed like people were more looking for kind of a general tech or math and science background. At the same time, as more industries are incorporating data science into their businesses, sort of outside of this really core, you know, tech-centric view of the world, they're starting to look for what I think five years ago would probably have been called data analyst roles, but because of the shift in language and a little bit in hype, um, the expectations for those roles have gone up some, and they're also more likely to be called data scientist roles now than they would have been then. Oh, interesting. So if, if someone was looking for a data scientist role, what kind of questions should they ask to help them figure out on that spectrum of roles where this one stands? What kind of what expectations will be of them? Well, usually the right place to start is with the job description. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, most of them will tell you whether it's the kind of position that requires a PhD or not. Uh, you know, it, there is always that truism that like even the entry level positions wants you to have, you know, 10 years of experience or stuff. <laughs> you know, like, you know, we'd like you to have 10 years of experience in a field that has not yet existed for 10 years. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so certainly, I mean, most of them are going to tell you what they're what they're looking for. Um, I think people who want to get into data science, who are maybe coming from non-traditional backgrounds, uh, are probably going to have more luck outside of the really, really well-known tech companies. Those tend to be more competitive and more specialized. I think often smaller companies or startups or people who are incorporating data science into a product that isn't fundamentally a core 
tech company um, are more likely to still be needing this this sort of um, you know analytics and business intelligence maybe combined with a little bit of statistics and machine learning kind of skill set rather than you know we need someone to you know perform NLP to help us improve recommendations on XYZ. If, if a data scientist, um, so in marketing, there's always things that I wish people understood about us, right? There's no magic bullet that's going to go from oh. I that's never going to buy to there. So what do you wish people really that you work with in other adjacent sort of roles really understood about data scientists or what do you think would be helpful for data scientists to help people understand? I think there's two uh, ways to answer that question. So Something that I wish more people understood about data and data scientists who are not uh, themselves super, um, I hate to use the word technical because it's, it's loaded, but you know, people who are kind of outside of it and who are hoping to use the outputs of data science. I think that it's always important to remember that data science isn't the magic bullet. It isn't going to help you make every single decision that you would hope it would. Always, there is going to be a need for really solid business intuition, expertise, domain knowledge. This is, this is the area where I like to, um, I got this language actually from from another uh, data scientist I met at a Women in Data Science conference, and she likes to distinguish between data-driven decisions and data-inspired decisions. And there are going to be a lot of cases in any business where your data science team is going to come to you and say, either we don't have the data to help you make that decision, or the data is inconclusive, or there's not enough signal. And that is just the nature of it. There is um, there's only so much uh, blood you can squeeze out of that stone, and it is unreasonable to expect that you're going to hire a data scientist and suddenly all of your decisions are going to be easy. Um, your, your decisions probably will still be hard. Some of them may become more clear as the result of that data and data science, but some of them may not. And then I think my the thing that I wish peop, more people knew about getting into data science or, or about being a really effective data scientist is the following. I talk to a lot of people who are trying to get into data science. Um, one of my policies is that whenever people, uh, you know, contact me and sort of give me that, like, oh, I'd like to pick your brain question, I try to give them like a 20 minute phone call, 20 minutes of my time. And always they want to focus on the tech skills. It's always what program languages should I learn? What machine learning techniques? What statistics? They always, I mean, that's it's, and I understand that that desire because these are things that are in some sense very concrete. You can cross them off, cross them off of your list. You know, do I know SQL? Check. You know, do I know Python? Check these things. Um, but the most effective data scientists I know are also deeply empathetic, they're good communicators, they have great intuition and knowledge of their business, they understand and can listen to their stakeholders to, to give them not just data, but a product, something, a tool, something that really fits into a workflow and helps them either make their day more efficient or helps them make a decision that they struggle with or helps them make a more accurate decision than they would have otherwise. And so there's just this whole 
half, I would say, of, of my job that I consider to be these human skills that I think get really neglected when we talk about data science. I think that's a super valid and powerful point. Um, we have a, a similar construct when we talk about product management and software and needing to understand the technical, but also needing to have a set of sort of soft skills that allow you to interpret a great deal of data, to, to present it in a way that it will be consumed. I mean, you can have great pieces, but if you can't present that correctly, and then just being able to work, as I think both the roles do, so cross-functionally um, when they're super effective, I think require both types of skills. Absolutely. And I think that, that there's, there's a teaching component to a lot of this as well, particularly if you're doing a lot of machine learning, um, which can involve a lot of these black box algorithms that unless you are someone who's inside data science, you know, I'm not sure uh, a gradient boosted decision tree or a random forest. <laughs> no. And so you give, you give someone who who may in fact be incredibly sort of numerate and analytical, but just doesn't have a machine learning background. You just give them the output of a, of a random forest or something like this. And they ask you questions like, well, why do these two similar things come up with different predictions? Or what is the impact of this input on this output? And if you can't explain those things in a way that both satisfies their, their curiosity, helps them with their own gut check, and really importantly, builds trust in both you and the model, you can have the very best machine learning model in the world. And if nobody uses it, you haven't made business impact yet. And so understanding that feedback loop as well is a really vital component to not just data science, but effective data science. Powerful stuff. All right. If you were to put on your fortune teller hat, um, not really, but if, if, if you were going to make a prediction or how do you see data science evolving in the next five years? You talked a little bit about how it's changed recently, the, the move to specialists and some of the other items. What do you see on the horizon? I think that you are going to start seeing and this is already happening to some extent, I think you're going to start seeing a lot of proliferation of other kinds of titles um, that are all what, like what is today would be called a data scientist. I think in the future, you're going to start seeing the differentiation of being, these things. I think you're already starting to see it with places that are looking for things like um, machine, you know, applied machine learning scientist or uh, uh, applied research scientists, like some of these kinds of positions. Some of that is probably gatekeeping because as people have flooded into data science, I think that there is a bit of a tendency for folks to want to try and pull the ladder up behind them. Um, and then in terms of uh, of tools and and like where the technology goes i think that really interesting things are going to continue to come out of deep neural networks i think there's probably going to be a resurgence of statistical inference and, and in particular a lot of like bayesian and probabilistic programming i think that you know, it seems like every every year when you go to a conference, there's some topic that, you know, sort of captures everyone's attention. It feels like every other paper is about it. Um, 
I think people really trying to incorporate, you know, Bayesian thinking into a lot of their data science outputs is going to be uh, something we see a lot of as well. Great. So, Dr. Becky, this was super interesting. Is there anything you want to add for our listeners? The advice that I always give to people trying to get into to data, since I get asked this a lot, um, first of all, learn SQL. <laughs> always. Always. Uh, second of all, if you're coming from a non-traditional background, I always advise people to have some interesting side project up on GitHub uh, so that they both have something to talk about in their interviews and it gives um, people something to look at to sort of make sure you have your bona fides. Yes, this person can actually uh, write code and, and do these things. Um, and then my other, my other piece of advice that I always give to people trying to get into the field is um, I think that there's a real tendency to kind of want to game it. You know, people always want to know, like, well, if I have this on my resume and I, and I word this just so, you know, is that going to get me in? Is that going to be the thing that gets me into data science? And my advice to people is, is always find the thing that lights you up. Find the subject area that lights you up. Because when you go into an interview, that kind of enthusiasm really can't be faked. And something that, I, this sounds really obvious, but I occasionally have to remind people of this. When you are a company and you are hiring, you would really like to hire people who are excited to come work for your mm -hmm. company. You know, so, so think about why you're excited to work somewhere and not because, you know, oh, it's a job or, oh, it sounds good. I have to say, I just hired two new people on my team, and it's one of the things that I, I, I just respond to. And if I feel like I, you know, they're like, they'll take it, they'll do it, but they don't bring that passion, um, I can't bring that to someone else. I can teach them a lot of stuff, I can give them different things, but if they're not yeah. passionate about it, uh, and the passion leads to um, curiosity, which leads to great questions, and it just, it's so additive to a candidate. 100%. You know, in some ways, I feel like the tech skills are the easy bit. Mm. You know, I can teach you all kinds of tech stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to teach you to be curious. Yep. So some of that you have to bring in, and, and that's what I try to remind people. All right, Dr. Becky, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you very much. This was lovely. All right, that does it for today's episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career. <laughs>